And now, after years of planning, sweating, and going broke, here is the Boots and Whiskey Podcast with Jim Belisle. And it left the media. Why they would give this man a podcast is anyone's guess. And there is what could only be a bizarre coincidence or something else. Welcome to the Boots and Whiskey Podcast with Jim Belisle. Trapped, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, so. Country music and fine moonshine. You look like the vermin-ridden son of a bitch you are. A podcast for every Everyone in the good old USA and all around the world. Over there, over there, send the word, send the word over there. Quality booze and country music at its best. So you're saying, can you set my country music award on fire? The music, nice and loud. What we do is if we need that extra push over the cliff, you know what we do? Put it up to 11. 11, exactly. You can email the show at bootsandwhiskeypodcast at gmail.com. That's bootsandwhiskeypodcast at gmail.com gmail.com Mr. Swimming with Bow-Legged Women All social media can be found at Boots and Whiskey Podcast The show is great even if you're sober Well My advice to you Start drinking heavily Jim loves his music and his whiskey A real woman could stop you from drinking It has to be a real big woman This is the Boots and Whiskey Podcast with Jim Belisle Great music, great booze and fun even for you non-drinkers. Y'all want to drink whiskey? <laughs> I'd like a Coca-Cola in a clean lab. Finally, a podcast that lets it all hang out. Let's level with America. Got your boots? Ready for some whiskey? These boots are made for walking. One of these days, these boots are gonna walk all over you. And now, the Boots and Whiskey Podcast with Jim Belisle. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Boots and Whiskey Podcast. Today we have the ever-incredible keyboardist, pianist, I don't know what the proper term is. I think both work uh, for this guy. This this guy's name is Jeff McMahon. Um, you know Jeff McMahon. If you've ever listened to a Tim McGraw album or seen Tim McGraw live anytime in the mid to late 90s, early 2000s, you know Jeff McMahon. Um, he was Tim's keyboard player forever and ever and ever. Um, he is now part of and on the road with a former guest of ours from a couple weeks ago, Chris Cagle. Um, that's that's kind of where I want to pick up this story. Um, a long time ago, a long time ago, um, when we started this venture of the Boots and Whiskey podcast, um, Jeff had reached out to me. We talk a bit about it in the episode, so I won't get too much into it. But he reached out to me and said, hey, I have this, I'm managing this girl named Maddie True. I think she would fit in well with your show. You know, could you um, more or less listen to her song and tell me what you think? Um, So I did. And, you know, Maddie has also been on this show. And all of that is thanks to Jeff. Maddie being on this show, Chris Cagle being on this show. I owe a lot of this show to Jeff McMahon. And I know, I know the text I'm going to get later from him and telling me, you know, I was, I'm too nice about this, but it's true. Um, it's a hundred percent true without Jeff. There's a lot of connections here that aren't made with this show. Um, so I appreciate Jeff more than I think he'll ever realize or ever take credit for And And that's okay. That's just the kind of guy he is. Um, but yeah, so he reaches out and says, you know, this is, he never said, and this is, this is what I think I love about Jeff is that 
he never said, hey, this is what I've done. Hey, this is where I've been. You know, just a very humble guy. And I think that's what I appreciate most um, about him is that, you know, he he's very humble. Very, very humble. Um, he has such a storied past in the world of country music. But you would never know it. You know, he he doesn't say, oh, well, you know, I was Tim McGraw's keyboard player, or well, I'm Chris Cagle's keyboard player. There's no arrogance to Jeff McMahon at any point at, at all. Um, and that's, that's, that's huge, you know, because he could be, you know, he's done and seen things that most people in this industry would kill for, I think. And, and I think most people um, would have an arrogance about I, I shit i know i would um, really I, I think i would um but yeah that's not jeff at all jeff is very humble and very kind no pun intended um there <laughs> um i didn't even i didn't even mean that to be a tim mcgraw reference but i'm giggling at myself because i guess it is um but yeah so being able to finally link up with jeff and and do this in person was absolutely incredible and i can't honestly thank him enough for taking the time um out of his busy schedule to sit down with me for the time that he was able to to get this episode out so really without further ado you know we're gonna we're gonna send it to our partners um a big thanks to off the rails afterglow boutique hogwash and rhinestones dirt road scholar supply company and i can't forget our newest our newest partner gone country hat company out of orlando florida thank you so much for them to them um we're gonna hear more from them in the coming weeks um but we just kind of struck this deal with them here in the last few days so i wanted to give a shout out to them real quick um we got some stuff coming so just sit tight with them um so without further ado here are some here are some uh some stuff from our friends and then our conversation with Jeff McMahon. I hope you enjoy. Artist friends, local friends, and everybody looking for a little bit of Nashville here in Central Mass, come check out Off the Rails in Worcester. You can go see their website, offtherailsworcester.com. They have their restaurant menu. They have their venue schedule. Go check them out. Real good friends of ours here at the show. You don't want to miss out on this place, offtherailsworcester.com. Again, restaurant, a little taste of Nashville, and a great music scene. Come check it out. Hey, everyone, don't forget to check out our friends over at theafterglowboutique.com. That's theafterglowboutique.com. Or if you're local, they have a great shop at 43 Main Street in Blackstone, Massachusetts. All Boots and Whiskey podcast listeners get 20% off at checkout with the promo code Boots. That's B-O-O-T-S at checkout for 20% off at the afterglowboutique.com. Check them out. Tell them the Boots and Whiskey podcast sent you. Hey, everyone. Before we get into our episode with Jeff, I just wanted to make a special announcement about something Jeff has coming up here in the next couple of weeks. Um, we believe it's the first week of October it's going to launch. It is called McMahon on Keys. This is going to be a new podcast thing where he is playing tunes with people that he admires in town in Nashville and talking to them about what they're doing and things. So Jeff McMahon is getting into the podcast world. We couldn't be more happy for him. 
in everything he's going. And who knows? Maybe the Boots and Whiskey podcast will one day be on McMahon on Keys. I don't think we're going to sing or anything like that, but maybe we'll have a conversation. Um, God, nobody wants to hear me or anyone associated with this show in the background sing, that's for sure. But, so, to everybody out there, go check out McMahon on Keys on all of his social media. Go to his website, McMahon on Keys. And check out everything because it's going to be a great show. I've gotten to see a few clips myself and I cannot wait for the premiere of this show. So check it out, follow along, and support Jeff McMahon and all of his endeavors. Thanks, everyone. Now, without further ado, here we go. Our conversation with Jeff. So we have Jeff McMahon here today. Um, Jeff, yeah. thanks for being here. You're you're welcome. i we, we made our way up into your neck of the woods, and I didn't want to fail to let you right, know. Right. So uh, uh, up here, where are we exactly? I don't uh, even know exactly. I think we're in Hebron, Connecticut. Hebron, Connecticut. Um, Why are we here, Jeff? Why playing, are we in Hebron, Connecticut, of all places? <laughs> we're playing a big fair. I'm up here playing keyboards with Chris Cagle, who a lot of people probably know from the massive hits he had in the late 90s and 2000s with, uh, you know, our love goes on and on, and beautiful day, and um, chicks dig it. A bunch of huge songs that I didn't even realize how big yeah. some of those songs were. Because at the time I was out on tour with other people doing other things. Um, but yeah, I started playing keyboards and singing with him a few months back, and we're having a big time. So up here doing the doing the fair with Jim Belial yeah. from Boots well, and Whiskey, right here. Absolutely, you know we so. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, and I'm sure most of you don't, um, Jeff and I's story is kind of, I don't want to say weird, but it's um, nothing I ever expected. So months and months and months ago, probably a year at this point, if not longer, Jeff randomly sent me an Instagram message about um, an artist he's been working with, Maddie True. And I kind of fanboyed a little bit, not going to lie to you. And um, at first I thought you were full of shit. When you said, hey, you know, I used to be, you know, Tim McGraw's keyboard player. I did. I've done all these things, yada, yada, yada. And I was like, there's no way. So I, I dug deep a little bit and to come to find out Jeff was alive. <laughs> um, but um, so it's been, you know, almost a year now of us going back and forth. So right. I, I appreciate this a lot. Um, well, I as I remember, I don't remember the timeline, but you had early on you were working with Kirsty Krause. I yeah. think you had interviewed Kirsty, yeah. um, who's a friend of mine, who also is a, you know, kind of circles, you know, in our little uh, band of, of folks in Nashville. And Maddie knows Kirsty, and we've been real supportive of her. So um, I'm sure that was kind of how you first wound up on yeah, my radar. Probably, but yeah. probably, yeah. Kirsty, yeah, because Kirsty, thinking back, was probably within the first eight or nine weeks of the show, yeah, easily. Um, so, you know, thank you for reaching out. Well, you're welcome. I like, I like what you're doing. I like your, your support of not, not only new talent and developing talent, but specifically, uh, some of the talent that are really working hard. They're yeah. not, they're not just waiting around, hoping something happens. Right. I was listening to, um, to some of your, uh, other episodes this last week, I think you had Darian Lee on, yeah. who's a friend. She just opened for us at a big gig in Minnesota 
Um, I think she's got a new single out this week. Yeah, uh, yeah. Jackson. Yeah, came out um, Friday. Yeah, and uh, Stephanie Ryan. And these are people that I know that I also know work really hard on their own behalf. And I know that you, developing this, work really hard on your own behalf. And it's, it's real easy for me to kind of get behind those kind of things. Yeah. I like people that work. Yeah, so. yeah. and you know, we're, we're trying hard here, that's for sure. Yeah. That's for sure. So how, how do you get here? How, how long have you been playing? What have you been, you know, doing in your career? Because you have, you know, you've been at, you've been at this for a while. Yeah, um, well, I mean, like many piano players in my position, I mean, I started out with piano lessons in school. And as a kid, as, as a kid, I had asthma pretty seriously. So I missed a lot of school. And at the time, we only had three TV channels and no video games and things like that. So playing piano was something that was easy that I could do when I was not feeling up to snuff necessarily. Um, I had some gifts in that area, but I also had lots of times to practice. Um, And then in school, I just did everything musical that was available. The theater things, the choir things, played in stage band. It just did not even see my first guitar player in person to sit down and play with until I was in college. Okay. Went to college at Baylor University. My roommates, Gooch and Swingler, sang, and we sang our way through Baylor. Barbershop quartets, doo-wop groups on street corners, every event that was going on in school. Um, But professionally, the thing that really moved the needle for me in college was my first bar band in college. Um, included um, one of my classmates named Daryl Dodd. Daryl is a a very popular Texas singer-songwriter now. Played guitar with Martina McBride for a while. Had his own record deal for a while. Has written songs for Tim McGraw and others. Um, He did all that later, but he and I were classmates. We played in our first band together. Our bass player was Brett Beavers who's a number one hit songwriter in Nashville, produced uh, records with Dirk Spentley. Um, We would later hire a guitar player that would wind up being the guitar player for Lone Star, Michael Britt. Um, All that to say that we were all growing and developing, um, but we were all serious about trying to get better. Right. You know, and and being able to do that and find those kind of guys so we could all sharpen our swords together um, that that's really what led me into playing in bands and touring clubs and all of that, which I started as I got out of college. Yeah. So now, when did you when did you move to Nashville? Uh, the band I was playing with with Daryl um, and Michael uh, broke up in the the March April of '91, and I came to Nashville shortly after that just to visit okay and was offered my first job um on that visit nice uh, a guy knew a guy who knew a guy um jeff's a nice guy he's you know seems to you know not be a moron and he's not a drunk and he <laughs> sings pretty good and i just wish he played piano because i got a buddy that needs a piano player because this guy flaked out yeah. and i started working with a guy named Butch Baker 
who is now a big player in the publishing game. At the time, he had a record deal and uh, was out touring, promoting some of that. And um, that was my first gig in Nashville. And he and I um, are still friends to this day. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So from the time you start doing that gig to... Where, for those of you that are listening in the background, we're at a fair, and I don't know what the hell that was, but it sounds like an F-18 just flew over us. <laughs> um, so from from that gig to working with McGraw, how long in between there? Uh, well, I started, I moved to Nashville in March of 91. I played with Butch for about a year. I played with another group called Canyon okay. for... Uh, eight, nine, ten months. They were a group that was nominated for an ACM around that time. I don't know exactly what year. Um, and then I was working with um, a local band in Nashville, trying not to leave town as much because leaving town gave me work, but it also took me kind of out of the loop. Right. So I was kind of trying to stay close to town, playing with these local guys, and, um, you know, through a couple of different avenues, Tim got my name when he was looking for a keyboard player, and I was able to say, sure, I'll audition, but why don't you guys come hear us at this bar? Right. Um, because we were already practiced. Right, And right. Um, the thing is, with those kind of environments, they want to know that you'll rehearse and learn the songs they want you to learn, but I also know that the way I play and perform is different when I'm thinking about what I'm playing versus when I know it all and I'm loose and I kind of start performing. So I was asking them, look, come see, see, see what we do when we're left to our own devices. Right. That way, if you love it, that's a good thing. If you hate it, that's okay too. We'll right. know we'll know what we're talking right, about right so and they um so they came out and i started working with him with tim in uh uh that would have been march of 93 which was at the time he had his first album out but he hadn't had a a hit or anything off of it he basically jim um he had his first album he hired me then he had his first hit record and his career took off. So, so you you are the reason why I, I'm, not, I'm just saying <laughs> the timeline. I'm just saying the timeline checks out. That's how it. That's how it happened. That's awesome. So, now, and so from so from that point to the time span you were with Tim, how long did that last? I was with Tim for 18 years. 18 years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, touring the whole time and then recording with him for the last um i guess eight years of that all right seven or eight years now i, I want to ask you about the recording part because i i know people in this in town and in this game that you know are artists that have full bands that are with them all the time and then i hear stories that though their bands don't record with them is that true oh yeah oh no kidding yeah it's common Really? Yeah. Why is that? Is it just uh, is it a logistics thing? Is it an industry thing? It it can be a logistics thing. Okay. I mean, you the the guys that work in the studio know how to get the most out of a studio. Okay. They have experience in the studio. So if you 
if that's a new environment for you um, and it makes you nervous or stressed or whatever, um, it's a very different. I mean, you know, playing one thing does not prepare you to play another. Right. I, you know, did 18 years of arenas with McGraw. But then after that, I went and played a coffee shop by myself for 30 people, and it freaked me out. Right, right. Because I'm, I'm sure. like, yeah, I haven't done this. Right, right. Um, but the other thing about the guys in the studio is that, now, you have to remember at the time, you know, everybody was selling hundreds of thousands of records, millions of records. Right. A successful record would automatically do a million. Um, that's not the case now. Um, but at the time, that was happening. So... If you work for a record label and you get the biggest percentage of the next Tim McGraw record and the last one was a real success, you don't want to change the formula. Right. You want to use as much of what you can of what worked before. You want, to, you want, you want the guaranteed thing or what right. you think is the guaranteed right, right. thing. So a lot of people just would get, would get wary of change. All right. Um, but then you also have the guy, you know, why wouldn't you want the guy that played guitar on Reba's hit and Alan Jackson's hit and, you know, the Garth Brooks record? Why wouldn't you right. want him to play on your True. record? So, makes sense. Yeah. Because I, 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 it makes me laugh because uh, an artist that I follow came out with a song and I texted it. one of the people in the band. I was like, hey, you know, the uh, the track sounds great, yada, yada, yada. And he's like, oh, thanks, but it's not me. You know, so it's like, oh, wow. And like we got into that conversation. I was like, shit, is that like a thing? Yeah. And, you know, it's it's nice to hear that that's, that's an industry thing, not just a, um, you know, artist thing. Yeah, no, it's it, it was very common. I mean, it's probably less common now, the way recording has changed, yeah. because people can record in their houses and they've got time to experiment and they don't have to rent a, an expensive studio to do it. They can try things out on their own. Right. But when we did it, I mean, if you look back, um, we recorded the Tim McGraw and the Dance Hall Doctors record in, um, I think, 2002. I guess we were working on it in 2001. It came out November of 2002. And um, Tim, at that point, was wanting to freshen things up. He wanted to do something different. He had a lot of confidence in us, having toured with him at that point for 10 years. Um, confidence that a lot of other people didn't have, sure. to be honest. But um, uh, when when we did that, it was it was it made a lot of noise. I mean, there were a lot of people in town talking about it. There were articles in People Magazine. There was actually a hardback book that they created about the process of creating this record because it was, you know, not common right. at all. Um, but it was it was really fun to do and nice to know that he trusted us. Yeah. With his with his music. So, yeah, yeah. That, that's incredible. That's that's really, you know, that's something. Yeah. Now, from the time you've left Tim to now, what have you been doing? Well, I, after working with Tim for that 18 years, um, I went back to Nashville. I started working. I would work with other artists. Yeah. Uh, Josh Grayson, who a lot of people might have known from American Idol. Um, you know, local, local things as well. But I started working at a record label. Uh, Byron Gallimore, who was Tim's record producer, actually wanted me to work with him at his record label 
So I went in um, initially kind of helping them structure some of their social media footprint for the, the label and the artists. Um, but real quickly it was, hey, one of our artists is going on tours. Anybody know anything about tour buses? Hey, these guys have to build a show. Do we have anybody that's ever been out on the road with a band? You know, so I kind of, plus my degree at Baylor was radio, TV, communication, film. So I knew film editing, I knew video, I knew graphic design at some level. So I was able to kind of wrap my arms around a lot of the creativity part and still communicate with the artist because I understood the music part. Right. So I did that at the record label for about four years, which taught me a lot more about the independent market. Um, and then since then, I've been working independently with other people that are that have their own dreams, man, yeah. and and trying to help people like Maddie True. You know, yeah. I've been working with Maddie for the last couple of years. We've been releasing songs with her, and I help her with graphics, and I help her with video, and we put shows together. She recently opened for Big and Rich. Yeah. Uh, I also play piano on her last two. Uh, releases you know Dear Loretta was her last uh, yeah. single release recently and I played on that um, I work with a guy named Jimmy Bowen oh and mackerel I'm waiting for an explosion I, I'm, I'm glad or I was something to take off something right that was a heck of a that wheelie was, right anyway <laughs> um, <laughs> I wonder if they can, I wonder if that'll play back as loud as it was. I don't know. You can you can let me know. Um, but yeah, so I work with Maddie as an artist. I work with um, worked with a lot of different people. Kirsty and Zach Stone. I worked a lot yeah. with Zach Stone. I don't know if you know Zach. I don't but, know. Um, you know, we did some radio tours, and he released a number of singles he's got some things happening right now nice. some things that are about to come out that I'll I'll end up helping him with um, but um, doing a lot of that um, really just trying to help I'm, I'm doing for them what I did with McGraw you right. know I play piano on his songs I I stand you know riding shotgun standing on the side pointing the spotlight at him trying to help them make their things happen um, and you know if if i get a little something out of it that's cool but if if i don't i guess that was that's been kind of the thing jim that's that's always interesting because so many people want to know about my dreams coming true or whatever i was like i never had the dream right i liked playing music i liked making it better because it got better it had other opportunities right but um a lot of you other folks have the dream. So if I can help you get closer yeah. to your podcast conglomerate. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all for it. So. Um, so now that you're on, you know, you, you're doing the thing with Maddie and other artists, and now you're torn with Chris King. All like, how did, how did Chris pull you out and say, all right, let's go? Well, Chris, I got this phone call from his drummer. Um, he, they were looking for a keyboard player and, um, he had gotten my number. Uh, I think this guy gave me your phone number. He's a guitar player. He said, you did a gig with him. 
Um, he thought you might be interested. And I said, well, sure, I maybe, yeah, I think I am. Yeah. Uh, what, what are you doing? I didn't know Chris was still was touring, and I thought he had retired, which he had. Yeah. Um, and he said, "Well, we're getting back on the road. We're wanting to do some things, and you know, we're we have a tour bus, and this is what it's like touring on a tour bus. Like, okay, dude, I, I know about touring on a right. tour bus. Do you know who? Do you know who you're calling? Right. Is this? You know, he was like, "No, not really." Well, I didn't know Chris, or I didn't think Chris knew me, um, but I was like okay, look, he'll know of McGraw, so let him know you're calling me, you know, whatever. Um, but um, I knew of Chris because I knew he had hits and everything. But when I was with McGraw, he McGraw always had a, um, probably still has, I don't know, a fundraiser back in his hometown where we would go back to Louisiana and do an outdoor concert and also a softball game. Uh, for charity to put money back into the sports program and Cagle came to that show one year uh, and played on one of the teams and performed in the, in the afternoon before us and Tim wound up getting dehydrated and had to take a break in the middle of the show and Cagle jumped up on stage and did like 20 minutes of Tim McGraw songs with us totally saved the day yeah, it was yeah. awesome but I didn't know him and we were still on stage. So, you know, I, he kind of walks off and I don't remember exactly, but you know, get a job, high fly on your way by, you know, whatever. Um, so I knew he had done that, which was a rock star move. Yeah, yeah. But I'd never heard him perform outside of that. I'd never seen a show, whatever. Right. So I called his drummer, I said, look, I know who he is. He won't know me, but he'll probably remember that. Just call and let him know you're calling me before we take this thing further. And Kegel called me like in 10 minutes and was like, dude, you need to go back on the road. I was like, okay. <laughs> so that was three or four months ago and I didn't know what the guys would be like or what he would be like, but it's been really smooth and really fun. And, um, you know, we've, you know, it's, it's, it's what I know, man. Yeah. It's it, at the end of the day for all the other things that I've kind of got in my toolkit, um, you know, it's I'm a I'm a live player. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I'm back in back at home. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Riding shotgun. Yeah. Right. So. Back in the saddle. Right. Now, I know I'm sure Chris has got some stuff coming out musically. Are you going to be on those things, or are you just doing the touring aspect of it? Um, at this point, um, well, at this point, I'm just doing the touring part because he was working on some of oh, okay. that prior to to some of the guys in the band. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe some of the guys are on it. I don't, honestly, I don't know. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, he, he likes to create stuff. We like, you know, experimenting with things during sound checks and things. So that may be on the radar. Yeah. All right. But, um, uh, but the stuff that he's at least talking about releasing, um, is all stuff that was already going before I jumped back, gotcha. back in the boat. So, yeah. Now, let me ask you, cause I, I, and I've, I've seen... Um, sound checks with artists and different things and then you hear stories about like just what you said about you know trying things testing on a song whatever in my experience I've never seen that in a sound check you know it's the typical you know play half of a song that's going to be on the set list everything sounds great go call it a day how does that look though when you are testing something out well um, with 
I would say it depends on the artist. Okay. Now, now with with Chris, you know, it it depends on. First of all, it depends on how much time we have. You right. know, if if there are other people that have to get on stage after we finish, because they have to get ready to play because they play before us, we may be limited on sound check. Sure. Or we may have problems we're trying to solve, and that's what our sound check gotcha. is is okay. trying to do. But if we have a really smooth sound check and we get ready really quickly and everybody's real happy with what we're hearing and there's nobody coming on after us and it's another hour before doors and Ford, our, one of our guitar players, plays something just kind of trying stuff out and it's cool and Chris' light bulb goes on and he's like, hey, wait, 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 play that again. You know, yeah. He starts getting ideas. Then we will sometimes experiment with those ideas at least long enough to form them well enough that we can remember them later. Right. And and you know maybe that begins the beginning of a song or a different way of approaching a song that we already play or. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, fortunately everybody in the band is is really excited about being a player and playing their instruments yeah. and um, and we still enjoy playing even if it's. Not the songs that we have to because the show started. Right. You know. No, I'm gonna. I'm probably gonna maybe give some company trade secrets away here. So if 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 you don't want to answer this, it's fine. We can go on to the next thing. But you know, I've worked in venues. I've done all kinds of things. I've you know doing this. I see a lot of things. Right. right. And I've seen a lot of big acts. I've seen a lot of small acts. Um, when I was working in this the particular venue, I won't name names because they don't exist anymore. But we'd have big country acts come through, you know, for the size of venue we were at the time. Right. Um, you know, uh, a little unknown artist at the time, Eric Church, used to come through and play a couple times a year. Now, I would be there early enough to see their sound checks. The band would play everything else, but we would never see the artist. Right. Is that typical or is that just based on the camp? It's not. I, I wouldn't say it's typical. Okay. Um, but... But I, w- I would say it's it, it it depends on the camp. I and I'm mean, not saying Eric Church did that. I'm just saying I've seen that. Right. Know? Well, I mean, if if Eric Church did it, you know, it may have been because he was backstage doing an interview with Jim Belisle for right. the Boots and Whiskey podcast. <laughs> God, do I wish. While <laughs> while the band is on stage, right, getting together what they need to do. Right. Okay. Because a lot of times the, you know, you're you're limited. I mean, right. your, your time is limited and. You know, in this example, you know, Eric also has a, a voice to protect. Right. So, you know, you can't do all the interviews and all the podcasts and all the sound checks and all the autographs and all the everything. You can't do it. Right. It's physically impossible. Right. You know, if you do, you wind up being an artist that cancels his tour dates. Right. Because he lost his voice. Right. So, um, I mean, now there is something to be said for you know, an established artist that has an established team and they always carry their own equipment. Right, sure. You know, you don't have to start from scratch every day. Right. So they can probably dial in his vocal. They know what he wants. They've right. done it so many times, they know how to get him happy. Gotcha. Um, and if he has to go fulfill responsibilities that his band doesn't have to fulfill, right? Um, he can go do that. Nice. You know, so that's... Right. You know, does that that is common? Oh, okay. That All is right. certainly common um, because you, 
you know, you can't be every place for everybody all the time. Right. Um, Makes but, sense. But certainly there are a lot of artists that I'm sure, um, you know, particularly an artist that's instrumental, right. an instrumentalist, you know, I, I doubt that Keith Urban, you know, is, is, is without opinion about what his guitar sounds like to him on stage. Right, right, right. You know, where um, somebody that is not playing all of their own leads, right. um, they're, they're probably going to be a little more forgiving. Right. So sure. I don't know if I'm helping Yeah, you no, no that, that, makes, that makes all the yeah. sense of the world because I thought, you know, now doing all this and seeing all the different personalities and stuff, you know, I always thought it was just, you know, and excuse the the expression, but you know, just an asshole superstar. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, but like yeah. doing this now, you know that's not the case. Yeah. You know, and and you doing it for so long, and you know, being with the kind of talent you've been with, I was just more curious yeah. than than anything. Well, and and the talent extends off stage. Right. I mean, when you, you know, we have a very talented monitor engineer that we have not always had. Because of that, you know, Chris does not have to go through a lengthy sound check to try to get things dialed in the way he might have right. when we had the sound guy for the day. Right, right, right. You know, um, so so that talent behind the scenes and all of that can also um, help things run a lot smoother. Yeah, I'm sure. So, yeah. I'm sure. Now, with what you're doing now and being on tour with Chris. Has it kind of, has it made you miss what you had done previously, being on tour and touring the world, or is it just, you know, muscle memory like we talked about earlier? Um, well, the muscle memory as to the playing and performing part, I mean, that, you know, I wouldn't say it never changed, but right. I would say there's a lot of things that are coming back quickly. Sure. Um, does it make me miss Bigger things, no. No, okay. Um, not not at all. <laughs> um, I will say that when I came back out with him and started playing, and I had played, you know, I mean, I've been on stage with Maddie. I've been on stage with Zach. I've, you know, I play shows with a guy named Jim Brown yeah. in, in Nashville. I mean, I've played shows here and there, but when I came out with Chris and did four, five, six, seven, eight shows over the course of a couple of weeks, um, I wouldn't say it m made me miss things. It more reminded me that I had been missing them. Right. Gotcha. Um, because I was not sticking around, kicking rocks. Woe is me. Right. I wish I was out. Right. Think you know because I don't have to go. I never cared about playing a sold out arena. Right. I do like playing music with good players with my friends. You know, doing right. that. Oh yeah. Um, so it rem it made me aware of how much I had missed it. Gotcha. At that point, um, and I'm glad I don't have to miss it anymore. Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, with the people you're working with, mm -hmm. and you know Maddie True in particular, only because we have that relationship. Sure. What do you Where do you see Maddie going from where she is now? I mean, I say she can only go up because I I you know I have like a I think I have a special place in my heart for Maddie for whatever reason, whether it's her talent, our relationship, the relationship we've all kind of had um, but where do you personally see Maddie's career going from here um, 
Do we need to take a break for this? We can if you want to. No, I'm, I'm just, I don't know what happens with these microphones. I don't either. <laughs> I mean, I can, if we want, we can pick it up at yeah. Maddie when they okay. finish. It's, yeah, it's, it's just it. an easy way yeah, to. That's fine. Yeah, okay. That's good. All right, so we're talking about Maddie and your your thoughts on her trajectory and where she's going. Um, Maddie's good, man. Yeah, she is. You know, um, I know. I know that she would say she wants to sell out the arena in Memphis, where she's from. Yeah, yeah. That's her goal. And, of course, she... Um, there it is again. There it is again. <laughs> I hope they're winning. Right? I hope whatever that um, is. It's, <laughs> you can tell I'm not like a country boy, you know? Because yep. I'm like, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> um, she... Oh no! Those are going to be horse races on the other side. Um, she wants to sell out that arena. Yeah. Um, huge Loretta Lynn fan. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure if the Grand Ole Opry were to call her, she would find time in her schedule. I'm sure to make it onto yeah. the Opry stage, which I would uh, love for her. I don't know, man. The the I'll tell you. There's a lot of people in town that um, you hear Nashville referred to as a 10-year town, and yeah. a lot of people think that means, you know, they if they wait 10 years, it'll happen. Right. And that means if you work hard for 10 years, then it'll start to happen. Right. And, you know, and she's willing to work. She's, um, I don't know if she always knows how good she is. Yeah. Um, but you know, she's developing as a songwriter, um, which she's working on constantly. Uh, I've never seen anybody that's, that's, you know, more at home on stage than at home. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and we just, we opened up for big and rich a few weeks back and she just slayed it. So. Yeah. I mean, based on those things, you know, she's got a lot of promise, yeah. you know, it's, and it's fun. It's fun watching, watching that with sure. her because, um, she, she doesn't have to have the huge crowd to feel like it's growing and right. she's learning and she's making more progress. I mean, she was, I, I don't know that, that I've seen her more excited than when she went on the road with me to open for Jim Brown in Florida and she was brushing her teeth on a tour bus for the first time. Right. Um, I don't know if you saw that picture. I did, yeah. <laughs> it was just, it's just, she, she loves every piece of the, of, awesome. the, of the journey, yeah. you know, as opposed to waiting to enjoy the destination. Right. She loves the process. Yeah, and that's so, great. If you love the process, you can do a lot of what's required. Oh, yeah. Because um, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah, so. and I'm, I'm sure she doesn't, I'm sure she has days where it's, you know, I'm, like we all do, where yeah. it's like, what am I doing? You know, but you just keep grinding yeah. and grinding and you get there. I'm just, I'm just hoping that, you know, I, I'm still competent enough to play piano when, you know, when she's, you know, yeah. out there opening for Kegel or Kegel's opening for her. Hell, I don't know. Right. Whichever right. it is. Right. Whichever, right, whichever <laughs> happens. Um, now... I always appreciate your time and all of our my guest time, and I know we don't have a ton of it today, which, you know, is, is good and bad, right? Good for you, bad for me, but 
it is. What it well, is. you get to watch the show. That's true. Right. That's true. But I could sit here and talk shop with you all day long. Um, now, for you, for what you're doing, do you have, you know, like a, you know, what 2023 is going to look like, what you hope to do in 23, or are you just kind of taking the journey you're currently on as it comes? Um, I say 2023, but 2023 and beyond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, you know, I mean, certainly Chris is making some plans for next year. Yeah. Kind of, you know, I think he... I think he is starting to really feel confident in the team that he's assembled yeah. coming back. So it makes it easier for him to kind of start looking forward to what comes next. Yeah. Um, and I assume that I'll be a part of that. Yeah. Um, when everything kind of closed, um, I stayed real busy helping a lot of these other folks that were struggling more than me. Uh, independent artists, people performing, live streams, graphics, artwork, right. recordings, helping a lot of them do that. And was also, um, like you, doing some interviews um, for an, an online platform um, with somebody else that was not a musician, but I was able to kind of contribute the, you know, the look through the musician's lens at some of that stuff. And I've had some people reaching out to me to kind of address that. So um, along with playing with Chris and playing with these other folks that I'm kind of trying to help send the elevator back down to, um, I'm getting ready to uh, start launching some episodes of my own uh, podcast adventure, um, doing what I've always done, which is play piano for people. Um, it's called McMahon on Keys. Uh, we'll probably drop it at the end of September, um, and it's going to be initially talking with some of the independent talent that I've been working with as a player and a lot of other ways, but um, unlike a radio station that talks to them and a 30-year veteran that talks to other 30-year veterans, which is cool, and I listen to both of those. Yeah. Um, you know what I wind up sharing with some of these folks is just it's just different because I understand aspects of their journey that other people may not and I still want to reach down and you know kind of help them up to the next right, right, right. step you know whatever step I can help get you to um, so we're gonna be doing that and it's really cool because as opposed to them trying to sing with their guitar through zoom um, we're actually filming performances at oh, least nice. one performance with each artist so um, you know we're gonna start out with um, American Blonde who a lot of people uh, if you don't know him as American Blonde you may know him as Southern Halo uh -huh. um, they uh, reformed this last year and have just released a new EP project we're gonna be doing something with them um, we're gonna be interviewing Caroline Kidd who is releasing her first EP right now she released uh, a song called Wyoming a couple weeks ago, then Static, uh, a new song this week called Weather. She's got a bunch of things happening right now. Nice. Um, and um, we're also going to interview, um, for the first launch, uh, a gentleman named Turk McNamara, who 
is a kind of a fixture in Nashville. He has his own writer's room called Turk's Lounge. Nice. And uh, everybody knows him as being an Irish music traditionalist, but he's also a really old school country singer songwriter. Um, it's all people that that I've interacted with. It's all people that have crossed paths with me in different ways. Um, and we've got the slate lined out for the next three months. That's awesome. So um, we'll be doing that along the way too. Nice. Um, yeah, and then I'll just, you know, whether it's behind a mic or playing piano or whatever I'm doing, just trying to help people move their needles and move it forward. Right, that's incredible. So. That's really, I love everything you're doing. And you know, I can't thank you enough and, and I appreciate our friendship a lot. No, I really, hey, really do. I, I love what you're doing. I, I, I appreciate the, the desire you have to not just get eyes and ears onto your episodes, you know, by trying to, you know, entice somebody's fan base, but, but really explore, you know, what's, what's at the heart of what they're creating. Yeah. Uh, I haven't heard all of your interviews, but I've heard a lot of them and, um, and I will hear more. So yeah. thanks. And now you have your own. Now I have my own. <laughs> <laughs> so like, you know, like we talk about, um, in every episode, mm-hmm. which has become a staple, and I didn't actually intend it to be, but no, you're just... um, you have your boots on. I do not today. Yeah. What? Who? What? What? What do you got on? You know, I should probably know that, but um, I'm not even. I'm not even sure. I want to say. I want to say Ariats. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's kind of funny. I didn't even. You know, in school, growing up, I didn't even wear boots all the time, and then I started wearing them. Um, now I can't even go on stage without wearing and these are my go-tos I wear these constantly Um, they're just black plain black leather good old boy kickers but um, and I've realized that as a piano player the reason I feel so out of sorts if I'm not wearing them is because because of pedals because of operating pedals it puts my weight back on my heel yeah yeah I mean, I can certainly play wearing sneakers, but it feels like I'm falling forward. So yeah, yeah. Today we've got Ariats, and tomorrow it will be Ariats because it's always these guys until they give up the ghost. Yeah, you know, it's so. it's funny because mine are Ari- the only pair of boots I have are Ariats, and um, you know, my wife laughs at me because whenever I do anything like official, if you know, whatever, I typically wear jeans and my boots. Yeah. And with the weather we've had up here, it's been so hot that like I haven't been. Right. And she's like, you know, you got to start wearing your boots again, and. I don't, you know, when you come to fairs like this, you don't know what the walking is going to be like and stuff like that. So I just, I stuck with my shoes today, yeah. my sneakers. So what we're determining is I took this interview much more officially than I, yes, you did. Yes, you sure did. Okay, yep. well, yep. I mean, it's good to know where hey, I stand. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, now, what about your whiskey? Do you have a my whiskey? My whiskey, I, I don't have a whiskey. You don't. You know, man, I... When I, I've never been drunk my entire life. Really? And. Good for you. And when, well, I mean. No, it's it. It is. Good or or not good. When I started playing, when I started playing piano in clubs. Yeah. I learned real quickly that apart from, I mean, there's all sorts of stories of drama and wreckage and things that go with that in the music industry, but but even before you get to that, playing in clubs, I had the hardest time with people that liked our bands, and they would say, oh, come on, you know, just drink it, you know, I bought it for you. 
And I would say, sir, I'm I'm not saying I won't drink yours. Right. I just won't drink another one. Right. I, I, I you know, I, I'm not going to do it. And it was so hard to say to them. Yeah. You know, three but not four, four but not five. But if I say, well, you know what? I don't drink when I'm working. That ends the conversation. Right. And um, that makes sense. And this is a, this is a, a hard business, and it's easy to go astray. Yeah. You know, so I just I just didn't want to tangle with it. Nice. I, you know, before it became a problem. Now a lot of people assume, oh oh, you don't drink. Oh, so you must be recovering. No. Uh, I appreciate, I know people that are, I appreciate the fact that they're getting it together and, and I think that's great, but um, no, I just, I didn't load the gun. Nice. You know, so nice. I just never did. Good for you. So, um, can't, can't help you on yep, that that's one, right. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Fine. I drank plenty of whiskey yep. last week for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for being here. And, oh, thank um, you, bud. You know, I, I, again, I, I look forward to everything that that's happening for you and what our future holds as our as our friendship and our professional relationship continues i appreciate having it and uh, i feel the same awesome. so thank you well thank you also don't forget our friends over at hogwash and rhinestones.com our good friend ray is the owner over there she makes incredible clothing that you've seen all over the place from nashville to boston to everywhere in between some really big names have worn her stuff that's hogwash the letter n rhinestones.com check them out tell them the boots and whiskey podcast sent you you won't be disappointed check them out hogwash and rhinestones.com of course, we can't forget our friends at the Dirt Road Scholar Supply Company out of Canada. That's drsupplyco.com. They have great stuff. All of the hats I pretty much wear, all the camo hats you see me wear either on TikTok or in pictures or whatnot, all come from the Dirt Road Scholar Supply Company. A big thank you to those guys out there. drsupplyco.com. Check them out. Canadian company. Great stuff. Check them out. Well, there you have it, everyone. Our conversation with Jeff McMahon. Thank you so much for listening. For those of you that are listening in a second time or third time from last night's premiere on the Dirt Road FM, thank you so much for coming back and, and hearing some things you may not have heard of the first time around last night. Um, again, thank you, Jeff, so much, so, so much. Um, I really can't thank you enough, buddy. Um, I look forward to watching your career continue. I appreciate you jumping on this bandwagon with me here at the Boots and Whiskey Podcast. Um, I, as I've always told you, you know, anything I can ever do to help you or the people you create with, I'll be more than happy to because you've been nothing but nice to me, and you know, it's to me, it's the it's the least I can do, and I'm and I'm proud to be able to not only call you, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm proud to call you a friend, my friend. Um, you know, this, this is like we talked about in person. This is bigger than a business to me. This is the friendship portion of this means more to me than the business side. Um, so thank you for your graciousness and, and everything that comes with it. Um, so yeah, so that's really it for this episode of the boots and whiskey podcast for this week. 
Um, I really hope you've enjoyed our conversation with Jeff McMahon. Um, this was the unedited version. If you listened last night, you got some edits in there and stuff and some uh, <laughs> some more radio-friendly, I guess you could say, moments. We, we edited out some things and moved some things around. But this, this was the conversation in its entirety um, with no edits, just as it is or as it was. So... You know, and I like to put the pod. I like to put that version out there for the podcast. Um, if you want the radio version, the radio version's there. It's a one-time kind of thing, and then everything else is just you know, just that. It is what it is, and I really can't thank you all enough for everything you've done for me, and all of the listens, and all the likes, and all the shares, and and everything else. It it means the absolute world for us to us. Um, I hope you guys stick around because we have some cool stuff coming up. Um, this past weekend, we were able to see Jake Owen twice. We saw him Friday night at Bold Point Park uh, with the Waterfront Concert Series. That was the last show of the season for them and for us there at that venue. Gorgeous venue. Cannot wait to get back for next summer. Um, and then we did the Greg Hill Foundation again with um, Jake Owen, Spencer Crandall. It was a great, great night. Um, reviews on that will be coming again. I know I've been talking about it for weeks, but it's it's coming, I promise. Um, and that's really it. Don't forget to follow us on social media everywhere. We're everywhere. Um, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you know, everywhere. We're everywhere. We're literally everywhere. <laughs> um, so find us, you know, interact with us. Tell us what we're doing, how we're doing. And uh, we look forward to, to striking up new friendships and, and everything that goes with it. So without further ado, guys, thank you so much. And we'll see you back here next week. So until next time, keep those boots on the ground and your whiskey in your, in your glass. Cheers. <laughs>